Andes, a pilgrim trail that crosses Spain from east to west, finishing at the cathedral in the medieval city of Santiago de Compostela. It was late September, northern autumn. The days were breezy and the skies clear. Villages were spaced along the track as evenly as beads on a Spanish matron's rosary, and each offered the possibility of a hot café con leche, a stone seat under a shady tree, or an encounter with a local, smiling and wishing me buen camino. Buen camino. Good road, good path, good walking. The Camino Frances is best known because the Catholic Church grants indulgences, forgiveness, to those who walk it for religious reasons. When I considered setting out on it, friends quizzed me about my reasons. Is this some spiritual endurance test with a few bedbugs for good measure? What is it you're looking for, El Dorado? You're not going off to find God, are you? Undoubtedly, I liked the idea of time and space for reflection, coupled with physical challenge and immersion in a different culture. But the indulgence I was seeking was definitely not religious. I wanted more. More of what I access in my walking. When I hear long-time meditators talk of their experiences, they might be describing the way I feel when I walk, particularly if I'm alone and in nature. Empty. Peaceful. Finally, though, what made me embark on the Camino Frances was a poem called The Summer Day by the American poet Mary Oliver. In it, she muses on creation, prayer, death, and a grasshopper. But it was the last two lines that changed my life. Mary demanded to know what I was going to do with my time on the planet. Her poem called me to walk out into the world's wonders. After completing the Camino Frances, I came home to Australia knowing I was changed, but uncertain of what that meant. I longed for the fractured Esperanto that is the language of that road. I craved figs, sunflowers and dusty tracks leading ever west. But most of all, I yearned for the journeys I had taken outside my body. I'm a fairly earthed creature, raised in rural Western Australia, and shaped by loss as much as by luck. I'm sometimes sentimental, but I'm not prone to flights of fancy or hallucination. Nevertheless, something strange happened on the Francaise. Daily along the Camino, a part of me hovered above myself, observing the steps, sweat and smiles, but not feeling them. Out of body, but wholly embodied. I was entirely functional, crossing busy roads, monitoring water intake, observing muscular twinges, and ensuring I had plenty of nutrients by way of peaches and blackberries. But I was flying, without wings and wide awake, tracking the pilgrim snail below. I told myself it was endorphins, or an overdose of vino tinto, until I returned to my normal life and found myself aching to lift off to the end of that kite string, to fly away. I live in Melbourne, at the bottom right-hand corner of Australia. It's a city of boulevards and alleys, contemporary chic and conservative ritual. It's a UNESCO city of literature and the home of Aussie rules football. It has the third largest Greek-speaking population of any city in the world, a Chinatown that bustles day and night, 
and a coffee culture that was imported by our Italians. There's even a small Spanish quarter. Melbourne is also where I locate my personal village. I have a tribe made up of all ages and creeds, a multitude of friends with mighty hearts and minds. My two sisters relocated to Melbourne from the west and are my touchstones and cheer squad. Melbourne gave me my husband. I was a touring actor and he came backstage to compliment the cast. I long ago lost my urge to perform, but thankfully I have never lost him. We've crafted a marriage that's a haven, encompassing our mutual need to follow distinct and sometimes separate paths. Base camp, as he calls it. So it wasn't a desire to be somewhere else that unsettled me, driving me to research the history of pilgrimage. I wanted to understand what had happened as I flew above myself, and perhaps more importantly, to rationalise...